0: This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 779, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you, who are washing their hands, wearing their masks, getting their vaccine, and getting through the whole thing, and uh, reading comics in the middle. So that's good, too. this Welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode seven, seven, nine. I'm going to act like that we just record these randomly and put a number at the beginning. Of course we do. I am Josh Flanagan. And this is my host, Karika Patrick. Hi. (laughs) Oh, that was a good one. That was really fun. I'm going to go ahead and let them in on the joke because it's funny. After my name, it says Awkward Silence, and I thought that was funny. And then I read his name, and it says Second Awkward Silence, and that one was even better. So that was pretty good. We are a fanboy. We know so many practically useless <laughs> things. I mean, like, as we go through this show, if anybody out there wants to keep a running tally of entirely useless things that we know... Don't tell us because it will make us sad. The only thing that makes me feel better is that when I do these shows, there are lots of you out there who appear to know even more useless
1: facts than I do. We're all in this together. Yeah, we are. Uh, This is iFanboy.
0: Every week we talk about our stack of comics. One of us picks the pick of the week. Uh, That's the one they like the best. Talk about the other books. We will talk about a patron pick. We will do some patron powers. We will do some mail if we have a chance to. And we will have a good time. And we will definitely... Talk about some dumb shit that is of no use to you in any practical sense. Sure, We will absolutely do that. There will be spoilers of the things that happen in the books we talk about. You know, we're going to be cool about it, but, you know, you're on your own here. Connor. you had the pick of this week.
1: I did. The pick was from Image Comics, The Good Asian, number one, written by Pornsock Pichesot. I apologize. Pichesot? He was he's, a, uh, he's a, thai. a
0: Vertigo editor.
1: A former Vertigo editor. Yes. And art by Alexandra Tefengi. He's a French artist. Alexandre Tavankhi. Lead lowriders of colors, stupid American, and <laughs> Jeff Powell on letters, almost from the cover by Dave Johnson. This was in the running for pick of the week. It's a noirish black and white cover of a Asian detective with a fedora and a gun and a trench coat, and uh, I was like, well, that's probably up my alley, and it was. This takes place in 1936 in San Francisco, and it's basically a noir detective story. There are no monsters, there are no demons, there are no superpowers. There are no aliens. It's just history, revisited history, because you know there's a lot of talk in the back about how Asian Americans weren't allowed to be cops for a long time, but this guy is a Honolulu detective who's, in, who's investigating a case in San Francisco. And so there's a lot of history here, but also at the heart of it, there's a missing woman, and there's a death, and there's shadiness in Chinatown. And this is basically right up my alley. As someone who watches a lot of old noir films... I really enjoyed the heck out of this. And I liked the art a lot, too. I mean, there's been a lot of European artists and comics lately in the show. This is not a, your usual-looking comic book. I mean, it looks like a comic book. looks like it. But it's just, there's just a little bit different in the way it's done that uh, I really liked. Did you read yeah. this?
0: I did. Yeah, yeah. I got to say, I didn't make a huge impact on me. hmm It's not to say that it w- wasn't good. It's very good-looking. I just, I don't think I love noir all that much. Mm-hmm. As a thing. That's totally fine. So I kind of found myself losing the thread from time to time. When I saw that you had made a pick of the week, I said I should probably just go back and read it through again. Mm -hmm. Which I didn't. But (laughs) what I find a lot of times, though, is if something it wasn't it wasn't. I don't like this. It was, it's not making much of an impact on me. Right. And, and I, I find a lot of times that if that happens to me and then you really like something to talk about it, then I find something to appreciate about it. And then I end up going back. Right. So continue. And, and I don't, I don't want to say like, you know, I, I did my duty. I mm-hmm. read through it. Mm-hmm. I just, I just did nothing grabbed me particularly. Sure. I liked all the elements. Mm-hmm. I liked the art. I liked the bits, you know, with the kid at the beginning and you know, he's in the, the, is it jail? In the very beginning? I was seeing it, I, yeah, I was seeing it as Ellis Island in my head for some reason at that point. Oh, but, yeah, um, no,
1: it's an, it's an island off the coast of San Francisco. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a sort, yeah. Of a, it's sort of an internment camp.
0: Yeah, and I thought that didn't start until later. It's so basically
1: like, well, no, because of the, the, the Chinese Exclusion Act. Right. They yes. were sort of housed there until they could prove they could get into the country. You know what I mean? Like there, there was all this talk about how what, what you needed to get into the country, you needed like, uh, there was all these conditions, right. and you had to go through a test to prove you were you... It's sort of like a holding facility for people immigrating from Asia.
0: Yeah. And I, I think that I liked the historical aspect more and, you know, the idea of, I mean, obviously, there's a lot that we don't talk about culturally. There's a lot that people, you know, at least Connor, and my age, didn't really get taught in school in any mm-hmm. sort of meaningful way about what this kind of stuff was. And, you know, the, the, the timeline of how things happened is is very interesting. And, you know, like even... know we got probably civil rights schooling but that really had mostly to do with you know black people and the south
1: Mm -hmm.
0: but the sort of nuances of what happens to other people even recently my son was reading some book for school in my 11 years in fifth grade and it was like about how asian people and they mentioned the chinese exclusion act but it was like they worked hard and now they're part of the community and i was like what that skips over a couple things (laughs) You know, it really it was like uh, this is what happens every time I read any of his history stuff. I'm like, oh, and then I would try to explain it to him. He just does not give a shit. Right. Anyway, I I enjoy that part. I think the sort of mystery part of it, I I wasn't particularly grabbed. It's funny because I know that we talked about like we we both loved the Perry Mason show. Mm -hmm. And even that took me a little while to get into. But it was greatly it was greatly helped by the fact that I was watching one of my favorite actors. So uh, I think with this, I didn't have that quite yet. Anyway,
1: so this takes place in 36 I can't find the page where the giant date is on it. It's it's 36. It's similar to, like, you know, a story like In the Heat of the Night, where you have the one cop who is a minority in a place where that minority is hated. But he has authority and he has the authority of the government and he's got a gun and a badge. So there's the tension there. So the story is basically uh, this cop from Honolulu grew up uh, in a rich man's house where his his um, his wife, his mother was the maid and then she died. And so he was raised as sort of the second son in the family. And now he's a cop, but he also has the weight of his father being, his, you know, his adopted father being this rich and powerful guy in Honolulu. And so now a second mate has gone missing. That's the mystery he's, he's trying to solve. and the, the trail has brought him to San Francisco.
0: I think part of what got me here is that I, there was a lot. Mm-hmm. There was a lot. And I think that surprised me a little bit because the writer here is a, is a fairly experienced comic book editor. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it was a little bit of a rookie move to pack too much into it. I mean, clearly, he's got a lot to say.
1: And I think this is only like three issues or something like that. It's tough because, you know, what's the other alternative is we often complain that the first image issue is too light. Mm -hmm. True. So, of course, it's a balancing act. You don't want to be too light, too too heavy. But I'd rather it fall into the camp of too heavy because Mm -hmm. then at least there's a lot of information to get through as opposed to what is this? Why do I care? Yeah. And I just love a good detective story. I love, you know, you get crooked crooked racist Irish cops. You know what? When are we going to discuss this depiction? No. <laughs> and uh, it's largely true. <laughs> you know, but the grudging respect for this guy and he's it's definitely not a superpower. It's a very well-worn cop trope where our main character is very observant. Not like quite Sherlock Holmes, but you know, of that kind of ilk where he and that's the only mm-hmm. sort of conceit here is that they put his observations in little red highlight boxes, where he, and it's again not a superpower. He just notices details and puts things together. And he's got a cool scar on his face. You know, this is a part of the, the history of America and the world, and it's very relevant right now. That's not often depicted, as you said earlier, in books and or history lessons.
0: Also, it always feels like stories from this age always take place in New York City or East Coast store, you know, or Chicago or something like that. I just I feel like. San Francisco is this fascinating place.
1: Well, there's a lot of LA noir. I mean, Paz and Perry is a LA yeah. noir. Was you know Raymond Chandler that kind of thing. But San Francisco, you know, the big Asian community has always had a big Asian community, and so that makes sense that this is where the story takes place.
0: Yeah, it's so sad. I think in that in like this has existed like this for well over a hundred years, and there's still conflict going on. Mm-hmm. It's just that, like, you know, eventually you should get along with your roommate. You'd think, but no.
1: It just shows you the deeply ingrained nature of yeah. I know human condition is the problems with it.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it goes to show, you know, it's, this is this is this is part of the whole, you know, the zeitgeisty conversation that's going on, you know, like just how ingrained this is in everything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it is refreshing, I think, to get these other perspectives or people, other people, sort of aren't part of the, I'm gonna say, the main story of America are saying, well, oh, well, we are a part of this, and like here's here's my take on this thing, and you know, it's 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 influenced by that earlier stuff, which in retrospect isn't. Is, uh, is a lot more racist than we thought.
1: And it's also putting people into the hero role of a very American yes. genre, which they weren't before. Mm-hmm. It was good. I liked the main character, Edison Hark. That's his name. It's an good Edison name. Hark mystery. I liked the bit at the beginning with the kid who was an artist in the camp. I liked that conversation you know, about how you're, you know, if America can't find a place for you, then what, what is the point of America? Mm-hmm. It had a lot of good things to say, and it just, I like the design of it a lot. I like the title page and the 30s sort of aesthetic. The art was really, really nice, really good storytelling. Very, like I said, very different from what your normal looking comic in terms of the style. I
0: think, I think I do need to go back and read it again.
1: It's a lot. There's a lot. Yeah.
0: I think that's it. I think that I maybe missed some of the, in the churn, there's certain comics that you're like, I'm not picking this up. So you just keep moving through it.
1: What the artist has done here is it's it's a lot of panels of page. You know, yeah. it's very not, and I think that's why I keep saying it's different because I'm looking at each page and they're very dense with panels. It can be a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I th- I think that when we're talking about it now, there's a lot of things that I liked about it, but for me, I don't think it held together. Mm-hmm. But that's you know that could go either way, and it also that is an effect of there just being a lot there, and that's that's a choice. Mm-hmm. Like I want to say all these things. I have three issues and. You know, it, they're just trying to cover a lot too. It's like just telling a mystery in a period piece setting and then also overlaying, you know, the, all of these thoughts about race and society and history. Like, it's, it's a big
1: job. I And I'm not 100% sure it's three issues. I just saw on Amazon when I was going to get the link for our website that it was a book one of three. So I don't know if that's true or not. Right. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm not putting a stake in the ground on it.
0: You're not responsible for anybody who gets issue four at some point. I mean, that
1: matter. <laughs> I just love a good detective story. I always have. There's a lot here. It's a very different yet familiar detective story, which is, which is really nice. Nice. I also really liked Strange Academy this week, number 10 from Marvel, Scotty Young, Alberto Ramos, Edgar Delgado, Clayton Cowles, as we think a field trip to Asgard. This book is a delight. Yeah. I
0: mean, it has all of the things like, like there's cameos from the characters who we know, but it is an entirely new cast of characters. Again, there's always a lot going on here and a bunch of personalities. I don't quite remember who everybody is. No. But because of the stylistic
1: I remember a couple was, of them, like the main ones.
0: Yeah. And so, like, I, I get the thread of what's going on there. And, and I, I just think it's, it's really well done. And I look forward to it. It's a, it's a delight.
1: It's what you, it is. You know what this felt like? So they go, to the, they go to Asgard on their field trip when one of the kids is Asgardian. And uh, they're, they're all excited to meet Thor. And they get there. And instead of Thor, it's, it's a false stag. And it felt like one of those things where like a TV show crosses over, but they yeah. don't cross over with like the main star, they cross over with like the fourth build character. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, couldn't get you, but we couldn't get you Chris Hemsworth, but we got you Sif. Um, we, we
0: couldn't get you Chris Hemsworth, we got Liam Hemsworth. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Who's the, is, he, is Liam the secondary Hemsworth, or is he the tertiary, there's a, there's a third? He
1: is the secondary one. You, you, you would be more likely the one who was on Westworld.
0: Okay, so what's his... That's the Tertiary Hemsworth. That's
1: Tertiary what Hemsworth.
0: What's his name? I don't Do know, but know? he's also been on the Young Rock. That's a big problem. Yeah. Being, being s- s- so back in the, in the Hemsworth lineage that no one quite remembers your name.
1: Yeah, and listen, that's much rough. more handsome than I am and successful, so in case anyone's...
0: Yeah. He, was, he must even sit back at night and look at Chris Hemsworth and go, like, I understand. You know,
1: look at him. <laughs> look at him. <laughs> so couple of things, though. The logistics of the make between young Dormammu and Emily.
0: It's perhaps not a hot
1: flame. (laughs) I guess. And also, like, holding his hand, he's like brimstone. Oh, yeah, look at that. I mean, they're all very magic-y people. Does he even have a tongue? I guess he mostly talks. So he's not a pumpkin, and I, I continually
0: think that he's a pumpkin, <laughs> right. which is understandable. Right. But yeah, I, you know, one of the things I think that's really nice is that so often in comic books, and I, I think this is why Ramos is very perfectly suited to this, so often in comic books, there's a real hard time drawing teenagers and yeah. adolescents and not making them look too young or too old, and it, for some reason, then, this is perfect, and they're not dressed,
1: I mean, they they're be all gangly, wrong. and they're all, you know, like... Yeah skinny and awkward looking. And is they're they in should. like
0: clothing that looks appropriate. Again, this is it's, it's you know, you've got these characters and they tend to be recognizable and that's without superhero outfits. It really, like there's a lot of very basic comic book things that are going well here that, that you'd take for granted because they just yeah. should work. It's cool.
1: Yeah, and so one couple gets together on the road trip another's another love triangle between it's not, it's not, he's not Dormel, he's with son, right? So what is his name? Yeah, Doyle. Doyle. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. and Emily, and then the Asgardian uh, kid Eric, and we find out his lineage, which is a big, which is a big reveal here. His mother,
0: which I thought was really good too, and that conversation, like the way that that that, that their interaction was scripted, mm-hmm. you know, like the self obsessed mother, and I was like, oh, that's that's real good. Yeah, and just should random, be able to
1: just sneak in there. Random palace guard father, I like that. Yeah, yeah, it was just, it was a really good issue. Like you know, get out of the regular setting, go on a road trip or a field trip in this case, and have things ha- important things happen. It was just a one-shot, and by the end of it, they're driving back in the school bus to... Yeah, fly. so it was also just, uh, you know...
0: Yeah, like, you could just read this issue, and uh, it'd be a good place to jump on, probably, because it sort of exists on its own, as you, and you recognize the main players.
1: And, I know it? we say this every time, but Ramos does not cheat on a page.
0: God, he does not, does he? No.
1: Every page is just bursting with things going on. Yeah. I mean, he is... He's unheralded,
0: I think. You know, he's been around a long time, and when he shows up, you're kind of like, oh. But if you want to talk about a guy who is, you know, great and consistent and recognizable mm-hmm. and gets stuff done on time, it's all of those things. Like, he's a perfect comic book artist.
1: And I'm glad um, it's a monthly book, because he couldn't do this kind of thing. Yes. Two weeks. Or yeah. we, there'd be a and fill-in it, artist. And then we had Ramos for 10 issues, I think.
0: That's amazing. Yeah.
1: I think yeah, and it's, gets, I think it's been every a, issue.
0: And then, you know, I, I keep saying this, but it's because I know the guy, you know, Scotty is, uh, is a hell of a comic book writer. Like, yeah. This is, again, it's a team book. It's flawless. You got I'm not, in terms of like, I know what's going on. I know who everyone is. I'm not seeing mistakes. Like it's all, it's moving. It's a good comic book.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And I, I think, I think you're absolutely right. Like the monthly schedule makes this feel like it's supposed to, if mm-hmm. this was like every two weeks, I don't think it
1: holds together as well. It's just, it's too much. And you just, you just, it would have a string of fill-ins and it, would, it wouldn't be as good.
0: Not even art-wise. Like, I think this gives it time to be you know, done well.
1: I know, but I'm just saying that the, the visual look of it is as, as yes. important as the story. And Absolutely. I wouldn't want a bunch of people filling in for this book.
0: Scotty also has this, I don't know if he does this on purpose or it's an editorial thing, but he, you know, he tends to work with artists who are simpatico with him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, No one looks quite like Scotty's art. You know, but like the people that he works with, they fit his aesthetic, I think, and they can sort of take what he's saying and turn it into something that that works uh, really well. I th- that's just a good choice. I think there's other I mean, that's a, that, honestly, that's one of the unheralded marks of really good comic book writers is that they know who to work with. For themselves, mm-hmm. yeah. I think of Remender was I think one of the best guys at that, and Bendis was really good at that too. Even though I don't like all of Bendis' artist choice, the things he likes, they fit with him, and he also knew like people who not to work with. I remember him saying at one point, he's like, "I love Tony Harris, I can't work with that guy." He has three panels a page. Right. I was like, "That's brilliant!" Like I had never thought of it that way, but uh, you know, I like that.
1: Hey, kids! Comics, volume two, <laughs> number one. I was surprised. I didn't know this was even coming out. I didn't know we were doing more Hey, Kids! Comics, but I guess. Why not?
0: I had to take a big deep breath because I want to say it was about twelve forty-five a.m. It was like all right, I got a couple of comics, but then I saw that and thought, "Oh no!" <laughs> I don't know how many. issues. I would say there was three issues of issues in the last volume, and like we, I spent the entire time, six. whatever it was. Like I spent the entire time getting myself oriented with who all of these. Oh, it's this is the
1: downside. Howard Chaikin saw the writer and the artist. And this is his. Not revisionist history, but it's his history of the comic book industry uh, through veiled analogs. And some Not of the really analogs right. are more veiled than others.
0: Yeah. And, and so, like, you know, I know th- I remember in the first one, like, we were like, okay, we figured out who Stan Lee is. We figured out who Jack Kirby is. We figured out
1: who uh, um, Martin. Yeah.
0: yeah. But by the time we came back, I was like, oh, shit. I got. None and that's the
1: only problem with this book, I think, for me is that I spend more than half the time trying to figure out who everybody is and what did, yep. what we're commenting on here, and losing track of what's actually going on in the story, which is my own fault. Well, you know what? I tell you what,
0: I don't really know a good reason why he wouldn't just do the people. It's such a small industry. I know, but they're not working or dead or very old. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and some it's like legal this reason. is the history. I know, but like this is the history as I as I understand it you know i just feel like that would make this one of my favorite works sure because i wouldn't be having to do all the back-end work at the same time listen
1: i'm with you so we have a list of characters in the beginning and you know verve is marvel and gw is ec gw is ec percy is archie and yankee comics is dc because
0: it was national comics
1: And this story is mostly about, so we're into the 50s now, and we're into um, Seduction of the Innocent, and Wortham, Wortham. and EC Comics, and Mad Magazine, and all that stuff.
0: You know what's interesting is that, since we were talking about uh, things that we know that people don't necessarily, Mm -hmm. is this this going, and I was like, oh, it's Wortham. And then I thought, no, to me, that is landmark history. That is, you know... Plessy versus Ferguson—that is the Battle of Trafalgar. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, Wortham, seduction and innocent, and I thought no one knows this. <laughs> Other than this really small, like to me, I was like, oh, here we go. This is when the industry, like I
1: everyone, know in the co- everyone listening to the sounds of our voices knows this. But you know, yeah, stop a random dude on the street and ask him about Doctor Wortham <laughs> and seduction innocent—they're going to punch you in the face, <laughs> steal your wallet.
0: I find that fascinating—the very specific history of this subculture. That, you know, and this was a big deal, The story. I, I don't know that I, I assume people haven't read as many books on it as people like you or I have. Like, a, but this was a national thing. I mean, this wasn't just like a little, but, you know, no one remembers it anymore.
1: What's funny so, is that I'm literally in the middle right now of reading the Stan Lee book. And, like, I just went through this part of the book. Right. Well, actually, it's, uh, it's happening right now, actually. This is the 50s right now. So it was like a very interesting confluence of things happening. It's tough. It's even tough to really just say if I like this or not because, I, again, I spend the whole time trying to figure everything out. Yeah. It, uh, it's slightly confusing. If I
0: had just read the first volume mm-hmm. and even if I had a little cheat sheet next to me, if I like took the time to like write it down,
1: mm-hmm. like,
0: this is this comic company, this is this person. In fact, I could probably figure out the people based on that, whatever. And I just did a little work. I think it would be my favorite thing. But I'm spending too much time thinking about mm-hmm. what it is. You need a chart. Because I don't know the history mm-hmm. that well. You know, I, need, I would need to know it a little better to be following. But then again, why would I be reading it if I knew that?
1: What it is good for is showing people just how fucked up this industry has always been. Yes. And how much everyone working in it hates each other, or at least did back then. And how low class it was seen as a job and how they chase trends. I honestly, like, I think that...
0: I mean Hey Kids Comics is kind of brilliant. Even that though tells you it's coming from a certain point of view. But we you know comics has to this day an underdog complex. It has an imposter complex. Yeah. And and there's people out there who are who are very successful, you know, and have made a life out of it and you know are respected mainstream. Obviously, like superheroes are the pop culture currency of the entertainment industry today. Uh-huh you know, but it's still all on this, but we're still this little crappy industry, <laughs> you know? Uh, and I say, we, I don't know if that's warranted, but it really does. It shows you how this, this generational self-awareness still exists,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know? And, and also like trying to constantly prove the comics are worth it. Like that was a big part of us doing this. like, mm-hmm. no, no comics are totally valid as an art form and as a storytelling method. And, you know, we're all still trying to prove it. Like, Someday you'll all see, you know, and, and at what point, like, are we going to get over this history that most people don't even remember the specifics of? Right. Thank God for Howard Chakin No, I mean, just as a... Yeah, as no, a yeah, yeah. No
1: one else is telling this story.
0: Who's still doing work. He knew a lot of these people. He just, like, he, he 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 spanned those generations. Sure. You know, and he has the talent to do this kind of book. And he has the the, you know, the wherewithal to get it made because he wants to, because he feels like he should. I mean, he's not... He's not. He's not making a lot of boat payments with this. I don't think. No. Yeah. I, I, like, Again, yeah, like I don't know that it's a thing that's necessarily super enjoyable the whole way through, but I'm really happy to read it. I, like what I was saying. Like at first, I took a big deep breath and I was like, okay, <laughs> read the cast of characters at the beginning and let's get going. And I was genuinely worried that it was going to lose me and I wasn't going to be able. To, but that didn't happen. I, yeah. you know, it also skips around a lot.
1: That's always been or, the problem with, with this book. time. Yeah. Good. At least last time it was very obviously like the heyday '60s. And then modern times in which the Marvel characters are all like, you know, blockbuster characters in the films. And that made a lot of sense in terms of timelines and Stan Lee and all this stuff. And here it's much more, like you said, 50s and Wortham is no less of a big deal, but it's less of a recognizable deal for what we're living in every day.
0: Yeah, so just very basically, if you're reading this and like, I don't know what's going on. So the, the basic deal is that through the 40s, comics were doing great because they were selling them to GIs. They were selling them to kids. Mm-hmm. It was a cheap way to get entertainment. As we get into the 50s, comic sales start to dip. The guys who come back from the war aren't paying as much attention to it. There's now TV. That's a genuine competition for comics.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the work starts to dry up. They can't figure out what to make. They, they come up with all these different genres. There's an amazing photo or page in here of all these different types of covers. Or Jack Kirby and uh, um, Joe Simon sort of, you know, pioneered a lot of those. Yep. And the way it works is everybody they do a thing and then everybody else tries to copy it. That still happens today. You know, and then Wortham comes along and is like, these are dangerous for people because he's trying to get he wants to he wants to be a big man. He wants to have an impact on the world.
1: We also seem to genuinely
0: believe it. Yes. But my understanding is that it's totally wrapped up in ego and it's written. Oh here. sure. Yeah. So they're all trying to adjust. And then everybody else copies and That was the part where it got kind of hard to follow Because somebody would be like I came up with a new thing And then everybody else would copy him And I was like I've lost track of who's doing what But you get the gist of it anyway uh, mm-hmm. So that's where we are in this book I love comic book history though It is such <laughs> a pastiche of loss
1: <laughs> Yeah It'll break your heart kid Green Lantern number two Jeffrey Thorne, Dexter Sawyer, Marco Santucci Alex and Claire Lee, did you read this? Yes, I did. I enjoyed the last issue quite a bit, so I made sure to come into here. They're really setting up a whole new paradigm. They very much did. No more mutants here. Yeah. What'd you think? I liked it. I did. Yeah. I think I liked it. I can't decide. I liked it more at the end. I went back and forth. I liked it ultimately. So the story here is: that the first issue, they were the Green Lantern. You know the, that United Federation of Planets type situation was happening. That that uh, Superboy set up, and so the Green Lanterns were sort of working security as as you know the final touches are being put onto this new global uh, galactic federation and uh, there was a terrorist attack and they they thwarted that and so here we have the fallout as the green lantern corps is being reorganized they're getting rid of a lot of the sectors and ceding their security to the federation and that means a lot of the green lanterns are getting new assignments so that's all causing angst among the green lanterns and then a big faction of them leave. They're called the uh, the Quest Team, and they're going to go off to this uncharted region of space. And that includes like John Stewart and Kilowog and a lot of the big guy Gardner. And then this there's like a small group that's in charge of the Crux planets, and that's a Cal Jordan and Kyle Rayner. So they go off. Uh, and then everyone else who's on Oa, uh, there's a bomb that goes off and blows up the power battery and basically kills everybody. <laughs> A lot happened. Other than Teen Lantern, who managed to save Simon Boz in a bubble, because she's not part of the, the bubble. She's not part of the, mm-hmm. the battery. Everyone else lost their power rings, and it blew up in the explosion. And then at the end, the big reveal is that uh, the Green Lantern Sojourner, Mullen, that we didn't read the other book, shows up, because she was off on assignment. The Far Sector? Far Sector. There you go. There's more useless information, just now that I'm noticing it. It seems like, just to make up a number, because we don't know, 90% of the Green Lanterns just got killed. Right. And the Guardians.
0: I don't find myself being all that upset that they've just wiped the slate mm-hmm. because I feel like the lore and the background of the Green Lanterns has been just a churning miasma of changes forever. And so this, I don't feel like it has to be one way or another, mm-hmm. which is opposite from sort of the typical comic book reader mm-hmm. response. It just doesn't really bother me.
1: Yeah, no, I, I didn't. That didn't bother me. Is at that all. Metron, by the way? It certainly looks like a Mobius chair. And there was, a, yeah. there was a reference to the New Gods in here about how uh, once the New Gods die, Earth will be the fifth world. But yes. I don't know because they so have screwed up the New Gods in the irregular re- continuity that who knows who that person is. Okay. I don't know. It could be. He's got, the, it
0: also, he's got like a yellow lantern kind of thing
1: going on there too at the same time. He's got more of like a Kirby-esque design on his chest, but it's hard to say.
0: Yeah, I know, but he's just the, the coloration. I yeah, don't, it's I don't orange
1: know. and yellow. It's weird colors for a Metron.
0: You know what? I, a couple of things that are about this. I really like John Stewart as a character. I haven't read mm-hmm. a lot of him, but in this, I, I found him very compelling and mm-hmm. I wanted to read more. I do think that maybe he needs to get a little past, like, I know the thing that he's got the guilt that he carries around with it, but I've been reading, like, every time he does show up, it's, that, it's exactly that, you know? It's, uh, <laughs> my parents are dead! You know, <laughs> the Batman thing that, like, you have to let go sometimes.
1: You're talking about the planet he allowed to die in, uh, in uh, yeah. Cosmic Odyssey. Yes. Yes. which
0: was 30 years ago, thirty thirty-five <laughs> 35 years ago. Hey
1: kids, it's comics.
0: Yeah, exactly. I think it would be, the character would be a little more funny if he was moved along a little more and it feels like he is. And then they kind of like, remember the planet and he's like, damn, <laughs> but I like him. I would spend more time with that character for sure. And I, oddly, I, I like teen lantern. Yeah, You
1: said that last time too. It's
0: interesting. I, it's weird. I just, like, it's, it's such a weird little like <laughs> pebble in the cog kind of yeah. thing. Like, I was like, I don't, I don't know what this is. I yeah. don't know what she's supposed to be, and that's sort of interesting,
1: right? Yeah. Well, we've also we've of... never seen a Kid Lantern before. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been all kinds of sidekicks and teen versions of DC. Car- we've never seen a Kid like Green Lantern before, as far really, as I you're know. You're right. So that's unusual. Hmm. That is unusual. It's like somebody didn't think of it. I'm looking forward to what the fallout of this is. What does it mean? You know. Mm-hmm.
0: I just hope there's follow through. Like it's a good setup and go through. Like. But then this is like so many things with the Green Lanterns. I like, okay, here's this huge thing. And then it just goes on forever and ever, you know. And I hope there's a story.
1: Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, all the Green Lanterns you know and love are alive. Yes. All the background ones are dead,
0: <laughs> of which there were many. Listen, I, maybe this is just in reaction to that, uh, the slog of a volume two of The Green Lantern.
1: Sure. Yeah,
0: were, yeah, like uh, I'm still tired from having read it, and I don't think I got anything out of it. Yeah, no, I understand. I understand. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> so, like, this is you know kind of airy in comparison, which is funny because it was pretty fucking heavy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we want to thank the folks who uh, are part of Patreon, our patrons, uh, mm-hmm. and you can uh, you can be part of that over at patreoncom ifanboy uh, Basically, it was started as a way to make sure that we could still continue doing this show. It always humbles me and makes me happy that, that people responded the way they do, and and you know if we go in the the Discord or or the Facebook group, you know that people are just really still into the show and listening and is engaged and. That's so good. And so, if you've been thinking you want to be part of that, uh, you can go to patreoncom ifanboy. Here's what the patrons have accomplished: they have uh, unlocked a patron pick, which happens on the show every week. It is a staple of the show now. I can't remember not doing it. The talk explodes, which are the bi-monthly interview shows. The book explodes, which are the bi-monthly book review shows of, of sort of the stuff we don't get to cover on the weekly show. The media explodes, which is a monthly show where we talk about uh, media stuff that is not comic books. There is YouTube content going up all the time, so they archive of uh, the video show that we did, and you can actually listen to this, this very podcast on there as well. I don't know if you knew that. That's all going up. It's, it's a lot of things sort of in aggregate over time. So... I want to thank all of them. Uh, There's, of course, I just mentioned it, the Facebook group and the Discord server. They're both really cool communities in a way that as people sort of got away from posting on the site and message boards, which is just what happened, it's a place for the people to get together again. And I I love it. I love it. I don't always have a whole lot to add to the Discord group, but I I really like the conversations and the friendships and everything. It's one of those things that I'm always proud of when I think back of the people who are all still really good friends because Mm -hmm. of the days on our boards, you know, Mm -hmm. way back Super cool. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Thank you to everybody who's done it. And we would appreciate it if you would also chip in. But it is optional. That's also. It will always be optional. That's the case. You can get over to iFanboy.threadless.com. There are currently eight designs there to be put on T-shirts, sweatshirts, tank tops, baby clothing, (laughs) mugs phone cases i can go on everything that you can think of there's probably a way to get it on there threadless does really good stuff it's it's not a cheapo fly-by-night thing they make good products and uh so you don't have to like pay way too much to get a thing and then have it fade and get destroyed you know three months later Mm-hmm. Those are good things. I know we say this. We really do have a couple of fun ideas that we're kicking around. It's just trying to fit in, getting them really designed and put up there. But I wouldn't be surprised if you wouldn't see some of those come up soon. If you don't want to deal with any of that, there's iFammer.com slash support where there's a PayPal link if you just wanted to make a donation to the show. The tip jar concept. Again, with all of this stuff, you're supporting the things that you like. That's how this economy works now. And and you know, Connor and I, this is still ta- <laughs> there's a lot of time that this all takes and and mm-hmm. It it helps that we can justify that a little bit with some income so that uh, so we can spend the time on it and not be taking it away from the rest of our lives, even though we love it very much. Finally, com slash Amazon, you can go there. There's a general link on the site that you can just go to buy the stuff that you need delivered to your house because going to stores is terrifying now. Or there's links to buy all the books that we talk about in the Booksplode or with the weekly issues that are the pick of the week. That said, if you have the option, buy your comics at a local comic book shop. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that is very clear. That is the best way to do that because we were talking about this weird little industry before. Yeah, they need your help. It, it takes a village, and it's a small village at this point. <laughs> Let's go into more books.
1: It's funny. I think when we have fewer books on the rundown, we subconsciously talk, talk more.
0: <laughs> we're, not, if, so we're not taking advantage of it's, – it's sort of like the thing where if I have some extra money, mm-hmm.
1: I spend it. <laughs> it. The email section is basically Gil from The Simpsons. <laughs> come
0: on guys
1: so uh, america chavez made in the usa number three they said it right in the title made in the usa as we retcon her origin where she is no longer a being from another dimension but someone who was forged in the bronx by a bunch of scientists
0: well if you were going to be forged somewhere but you still want to seem like, you're not part of everything well, that she happened. she was
1: forged of the Bronx. And the scientists are from the Bronx. She, right. the, the island or wherever it was, it was somewhere else. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's a very, I don't think I knew her original, but I was like, oh, there, this is a whole
1: retcon thing. To be fair, the island is off, the, off of Long Island, so it's not that far from the Bronx.
0: Yeah, I did notice that. I was like, that's pretty tropical for the North <laughs> Atlantic, but why? <laughs> right. That's fine. I mean, they got great accents on that island. Yeah, you got to make sure to read that book in both thick Bronx accents and then thick Long Island accents. We're going to do all your,
1: uh, all your genetic
0: research. over here. <laughs> I
1: uh, ah, okay. I, uh, I like this book. I haven't read a ton of America Shabbos, so I'm not bent out of shape about the retcon. It doesn't mean anything to me, but I'm sure people who really love her might be upset. Yeah, maybe. You like Joe Casey? Like Joe Casey. He might be upset. But I, uh, I support you for being upset.
0: I noticed that you did not put Heroes Reborn number one on this list, but I imagine you read it. I did not. You didn't. Nope. I can see that too.
1: I don't support <laughs> returning to horrible mistakes in the history of comics. In the same way I didn't like it when they, we're going to do the Clone Saga again, but we're going to do it good but, this time. No, just let it, let it be. And that's the same way if you have Blood Heroes Are Born. So I didn't read it.
0: I know what you're saying. And I, 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 I don't disagree, but I just thought, well, I should read this because, I, I mean, it's Jason Aaron writing it and McGinnis drawing it. It seems to be. hmm and I was like, oh, this is the next big event. It hadn't occurred to me. It feels like there's always an event going on. But there's a checklist. There's a whole thing. I mean, basically, what it is at this point is that Blade wakes up. And he's in a world where nobody, know, nobody's a superhero
1: mm-hmm. that
0: he knows. And there's the Squadron Supreme there. And he's, he's in like an alternate Earth. And he's going around trying to find the other... Avengers so he goes up to like the beginning goes up to Robbie the ghost ghost rider and he's like I gotta get somewhere and he's riding on his bike really fast but he's not ghost rider
1: mm-hmm.
0: it was fine it was <laughs> it was a blade book uh, like, like he was sort of the narrator for the whole thing as we go through it and that that's kind of interesting because I always just hear the Wesley Snipes voice Sure. You know? but you know when it comes to doing these kind of like throwbacky books that they're like we're gonna do it right this time you know some motherfuckers is always trying to ice skate uphill so did you like it? Mm, I'm not going to go that far. Are you going to read more of it? I'm not sure. I'll (laughs) probably read the main story. It looks like there's a lot of spin-offs just Mm -hmm. in the same vein, The King in Black, Right. uh, when I look at the checklist. But I'm kind of ambivalent. But I figure this is supposed to be an event, so I thought I'd read it. And it kind of left me with not a lot.
1: Marjorie Finnegan, Temporal Criminal Number 1, from AWA, and Garth Ennis and Goran Suzuka. And this is like... First of all, I'm surprised you read this because you don't really read these Garth Ennis books. But, I've been making an effort to go through the
0: comics section on the, on the uh, diamond list for the mm-hmm. past few months, which I've been doing this for such a long time. That is a terrible thing for me to say. But now there are more upper tier publishers in there. So there's gems to be mined, I think. So I try to check those books out. And I saw the names and I went, oh,
1: wow. Garth has been doing a lot of these. I, I call these like Garth Light. You know? It's not Preacher. It's not Hellblazer. And it's also not just like a war book either. Yeah, but I think they're a lot of fun. Yeah. it
0: sort of surprised me was how much it reminded me of a Mark Russell book with just a little more banter. Right. It really felt like a Mark Russell book. That's and interesting. I thought, oh, that, that is interesting that, that there's a lineage there that I hadn't sort of noticed. Mm. Because it's one of the things if you think like, oh, wow, nobody was really doing books like Russell. And I thought, hey, eh, Ennis used to.
1: That's true. So here we have Marjorie Finnegan... Your typical scary, hot Boston woman who is a time-traveling criminal. She goes through time and steals stuff and deals with the ramifications of that. And I liked it. It was fun. I liked it. I didn't love it. I I didn't love it, but it was fun. I enjoyed it. I'd hoped to love it. I knew I wouldn't. Yeah.
0: But I thought it would be great if this was just like this amazing book. But I don't think, you know, I think Ennis does the jobs because they're kind of fun or whatever, but... I hope he's got another epic in him someday but I don't know
1: I've been reading almost all of these that he's been doing so yeah. I, I expect a certain level of I liked that a lot I don't yes. expect to love it and I am always happy when he's got good artists on it Goran Suzuka's terrific for a second I thought it was Goran Parlov and I got very excited but <laughs> yeah, Goran I didn't realize
0: there was two Gorans until this moment
1: there's Nazis there's Vikings there's Egyptian pharaohs there's time police yeah you know fun looks at time travel and how they get around the, the paradoxes of death yeah, there's,
0: there's quite a big day as ex machina there. <laughs> but fine, you know.
1: And uh, I enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I think it's a thing that most people couldn't get away with because it's just wonky enough. And it was actually, it was one of the first times where I've read an Ennis story and thought, well, this doesn't feel like it's a now story. Like mm-hmm. the, the style of writing felt very like 90s, early 2000s, the dialogue and everything. Right. It's Garth Ennis, I'll let him do whatever he wants. Yeah, I, I liked it, it was, it was fun. fun. I did too, I had fun reading it.
1: As those are the books we want to talk about at patreon.com slash you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Any patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I almost no, skipped your corner. Is... I almost I went... what you've done here. <laughs> I tried to skip right past the corner. Sorry about that.
0: We're going to spend a quick amount of time in Star Wars Corner uh, with mm-hmm. Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha,
1: number one. So this is the prelude issue to the War of the Bounty Hunters.
0: Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what that was. Like I kind of seen it at the end of one of the other, like like next of the Ben. I was like, whatever. And I, I looked at, it. I thought, oh, Steve McNiven drew that. Mm-hmm. That's 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 enough reason to sort of get something for me.
1: And we love the Bounty Hunters. I you know what I haven't loved the comic books. That no, no I mean the of. characters themselves. Yes. Dengar, IG eighty eight. So. The, what's they keep changing the guys. What's that? What guy's name they keep changing?
0: Uh, Forlom.
1: Zuckus? Forlom and Zuckus. Yeah. What
0: is he now officially? I don't know. I didn't know that they had changed it. Uh, All I know is you never trust a man what's made of gas. <laughs> so, it, it, real basically, you would hate this. Yeah, sure. So what's happened here is that this story seems to take place between the moment
1: that... Oh, no, that wait. I'm sorry. Forlom and Zuckus were partners. Yes. And then... It was the, the
0: assassin droid and... So uh, apparently and what happened
1: guy. was Kenner put the wrong names on the boxes. And that's what happened. And I had to change
0: Nobody it. Nobody actually said their name in the movie.
1: Some nerd that's somewhere. Important.
0: So, Zuckuss, So Zuckus <laughs> was like they had the names reversed because Zuckus should be the Four Gat.
1: Lamas clearly the, 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 the droid. Bro- yeah. yeah. Okay. But
0: so, so they had a okay, backstop. So,
1: what we have here
0: is that this takes place after Boba Fett has left Bespin. You know, Zuckus is only
1: four the, foot nine, Josh. I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> Because I don't want to talk well, about this. Wait long. a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I have to say, well, this is wrong. Continue. Sorry. I was looking. So at thing. I was looking the at a thing room. that said. <laughs> I was looking at a thing that said that Zuckus was played by Conan O'Brien, and I thought, well, that that can't be right. No. And well, that, he was voiced by Conan O'Brien in the, in the Robot Chicken cartoon. Okay. Bosk Dangar IG88 Four Are there is more? More
0: of that information on the initial? No. No, those, that's who was there.
1: But also, obviously, Boba. But in the comic, were there, are there more of these guys? But we didn't get there yet.
0: That, right. that seems to be what's coming next. Carbonite Han Solo, he's on the way to Tatooine. He starts to melt. <laughs> oh, God, so, why? Boba Fett has to go to, I forget the name of the planet, but it's like the planet of the bounty hunters that has shown up in this. Uh. And he goes to a guy who looks like the guy, Narshada, the smuggler's moon. And he goes to a guy, you know, the dudes with the forearms, like the one who had the Dexter Jax, Jacks, Jaxter Dexter, whatever he was, who was in Attack of the Clones. He's one of those guys. And he's like, hey, I need you to uh, fix him. He's like, I can fix it, but you got to pay me up front. He's like, I don't have any money, this Boba Fett. By the way, this Boba Fett is very much Mando.
1: I want to burn this book to the ground. Also, I, I hope that whenever they fly to that moon, Smuggler's Blues plays from Glenn Fry. Sure.
0: Wow. <laughs> I'd just like to point out that you have made two <laughs> references to incredibly unhip old white man things, including hey, man. what you just said. And then earlier, you referenced In the Heat of the Night, which <laughs> – Hey, oh, yeah. hey. Now I, I, know, I know your perspective on it. Cindy Poitier. Come on. I know. On. It was also a television program.
1: Yeah, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the movie.
0: I understand. But many you know Carol O'Connor. Of oh, that's
1: the movie. Uh, so the,
0: the film is I don't the, want to talk about it. Sorry. I wanna get through this. I wanna remember. With. So he has to go fight a thing to kill a guy to get the guy to fix him and then something goes wrong and they, they steal the melting Han solo.
1: Rod and Steiger. He,
0: you flip to the back page and this goes through fucking October.
1: Oof, oof, There's oof. Dozens of
0: books. <laughs> and, was, uh, and it goes through all the Star Wars books. So even the ones that I was
1: enjoying, so the main Star
0: it. Wars story, I mean, it's a lot. Like, it, it's way too much. So what
1: are you going to do? I, I think.
0: I don't know. We'll see. I might, I will, I will probably keep reading the books that i'm reading which are star wars and darth vader mm-hmm. if it gets annoying after an issue or two i will just wait for it to be over because mm-hmm. the thing that i really liked is that those things all existed you know i'm just reading a darth vader story i'm yeah. reading star wars is kind of a little anthology story with the main people and most of the time it slots in but i do not i know what they're trying to do they have to mine every possible like we where, where when was the camera not on and what can we have said happened there right but it's a lot. I was shocked by the checklist. I thought, oh, this, this should be a month long thing.
1: Nope. It isn't. So, wait, it's uh, May, June, July, August, tomorrow. It's six months?
0: Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, like through October, not, you know. <laughs> oh, the last issue. Also, the last issue here is IG IG-881, and I find that disrespectful. <laughs> so, every bounty hunter gets uh, an issue. Sure. So there's a, there's a, it goes through it goes through Star Wars, Darth Vader, Doctor Afra, and bounty hunters, and then there's bounty law, Jabba the Hut one, Forlom and Zuckus one, which I don't know how I don't read that, and Boosh number one, Boosh ba- ba- it's spelled how, that's not they spell it B O U S H H, that doesn't
1: is Oh wait, those are K, no, those are H's. It should be Bosk. It's probably the... It's probably the uh, oh, no. B-O-U-S-H-H. That's, that's the identity that Leia had in Jedi. Oh, Boosh. boosh. That's right. So, Bosk doesn't get one? Bosk is once again relegated to the background.
0: Wow.
1: In this six-month event, you couldn't find a place for Bosk?
0: I just... I don't think... I, I, I think I could read this for a month. Maybe six weeks. <laughs> I can't read this for six months. We're going to put it to the test, aren't we? You've got Ethan Sachs over there doing that Bounty Hunters book, and I couldn't get through it. And I like him as a writer.
1: Uh, it's the smugglers okay. blues. All right. Those are the books we want to talk about. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. You can if you go there. Mentioned Mario Speedwagon album later. And you can vote to add a book to the rundown. Every patron can vote to add a book to the rundown. And this week, the overwhelming favorite by like two-to-one margin over the second-place book was The Good Asian Number 1. Yay! So we don't have to talk about it again. And uh, what's the rating on Good Asian, Josh? Good Asian rating? Rating?
0: I am gonna go now. Out of five. I'm gonna stars. go with three point two five for me. Ooh, interesting. I'm gonna read it again though, and I'm gonna read the second issue. And I'm gonna check back with you the next time this comes around. See how it goes. Right, I'm gonna give it a five.
1: Wow. Yeah, a you never give out five. Well, it's the pick of the week. Sure. It's the pick but of the week's automatic five. No, that's not true. That's for me. Everyone's got their own voting system. True. That is true. Are you going to keep reading? Yeah, I just told you I was. I wasn't paying attention. I was looking at it. Some... and awesome.
0: thinking about a Glenn Frey song. <laughs> I it was. It was
1: it's in my head, and I can't get it out. Patreon.com slash ifanboy. Everyone can vote that book the rundown, but if you give it the $5 higher level, I cannot believe it's this late in the show and we're hitting the patron powers. I really thought we were going we to have time this week.
0: We got cocky because the patron pick gave us an out.
1: Yep. Uh, but if you give the $5 higher level, get your own superpower live on the show, like these four people... Addison Works,
0: which could also be a factory name, or, or a sentence,
1: really. Or actually like the, slogan, what, the, the marketing slogan for the factory.
0: Yep. What does Addison do? Addison Works. <laughs> um, work at Addison.
1: Someone, so, so someone's sorry. delaying.
0: Someone's, can, no, I'm not. Right. Can ta- no, we're way distracted now, so now I can't focus. That's what's happening. Uh, Addison Works can time travel, but only to completely insignificant days. Nothing so, like, you, you can't go to, like, the Battle of Gettysburg right. and just go, like, a random Thursday in 1746.
1: Or nothing important
0: or, happens. No. Yeah, there's not. Like, you're not. You can witness history, like, from, a, like, oh, this is what it looked like then. But you don't get to see the great events of the world.
1: How long does um, does Addison get to stay there?
0: That's, uh, that's uh, I mean, I assume as long as he wants. But if, like, you were in, you know, say it's, like, he, he shows up in Philadelphia at, like, June 28th, 1776. Like he'll pop back before the the third because that's when things start to pick up there.
1: (laughs) Uh, Jeff Ellerbach, this is somewhat of a sad power. Oh no. You know how like if you look at, if you watch like a commercial for like pain medicine, they show like an outline of a body and like the radiating red spots like in the shoulder or the knee or the back. Hmm. Well, Jeff Ellerbach sees that all the time with anyone he's looking at. So he, see, he sees everyone's pain. He knows what hurts. And it could also be emotional pain. It could be heartbreak. It could be. Wow. Pain. But so if you looked at a crowd of people, Jeff would just see, re- you know, all the red spots, all the pain points. He's very empathetic. Well, Super theoretically. Empathetic.
0: Yeah. I mean, he might not care. Like, you're fucked up, dude. Oh, well. Walks on. Can't turn it off, though, which is a hmm. bummer. So that's like, uh, like the Valkyrie thing. Like she can see the death. Yes. Cool. The that's pain. a good power. Thank you. Actually, really, I think there's something to that. <laughs> I think you could do something. Like, that could be a tertiary X-Men character. Mm-hmm. Douglas Arias or Arias, which is more than one Aria, is the bootlegger. He can make flawless copies of things. Bloop. There's Anything. A, a sec- yeah, yeah. Uh, so, what, comic books or 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 uh, I'm I'm gonna just there's got to be there's got to be some. Transfer of energy or mass, so we can't just create a second Earth or anything like that. <laughs> right, so let's keep it, right,
1: right. you
0: know. But you know, if you want, say, like, oh, it's a it's a late 50, nineteen fifty-nine Gibson Burst guitar. Blue, mm-hmm. he's got a second one right there. There's only a handful of those in existence, but you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They're flawless. He's the boot.
1: Does he get really hungry? Um, can you can you ex- expand on that? Well, I, I assume the the mass comes from somewhere, right? Does he like yeah, but or does let's he let's burn say calories he, doing it.
0: No, I was going to say, no, no, no. Like the conservation, so it has to take an item. That's how it's going to work. That's what it is. He's got to have another item. So if he's going to make, like, a, he's got to get, like, a cheapy guitar, and he can transform that into the copy or, like, a pair of shoes, and they would then be authentic Air Jordan
1: 2s. Hmm. Yeah. John Hibbs. Ooh, John Hibbs is a human remote control. He can control anything uh, that you would use a remote control to control. He can just do it with his, with his thoughts. That was the first short comic story I ever wrote. Right. But anything. Your uh, <laughs> air conditioner. Uh, I believe
0: in my story, he could only turn off and on insignificant things, like the light <laughs> switch. Like right. That was the full extent.
1: This is, this, he's, just, he's literally just a replacement for the remote control. He can't control things that aren't controlled by remote control.
0: You know, uh, that's interesting because Logitech just discontinued the Harmony line because the remote, the single universal remote, has become pretty much uh, obsolete now. What? Yeah.
1: I was going to get one. Why is it obsolete? You still can.
0: They're going to continue to support the devices for as long as... I bought a, I bought a Hub uh, companion remote uh, in the last year. Works great.
1: Obsolete according to who? I got remotes up the ass. No one buys them, basically. Well, that's different. That's a, that's a problem. They're overpriced. Well,
0: no one... They didn't used to be. Yeah, they were always... There's not a market for them anymore. So, in terms of capitalism, they're obsolete that's annoying I didn't make it up you can use your phone for all that shit I can't
1: use my phone to control my receiver
0: you can too I do it all the time in fact you have the same receiver as I do don't you or one similar no similar do so you have a Yamaha yeah I do there's an app it does everything that you would need to without the remote I don't want to do that I want to press one button on a remote, you remote and control everything I understand I also have a Harmony app that works with my thing so if I have a remote's over there I can just use my phone it does everything
1: I don't want that I don't want to do anything with my phone
0: see though you, the, yeah but you're not I don't believe you, you are not typical you are the aberrant outlier here listen to John none of this matters you should have John come
1: over <laughs> John's like I don't you know want, what the problem you is you want this power that's what you want I do patreon.com slash ifanboy if you give it the $5 hour, I love to get your own power live with the show it, 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 we were going really well and we just sort of fell apart halfway through this episode I think it was a fine show so I don't know what you're talking about I think we have to skip the emails Wow. No, the first two work fast. We can do the first two. There and that is. tells you how under I thought we would be. Zach W. writes and says, been thinking about this since I saw the pick this past week. It was, he said this in a while ago. The pick this past week was Nightwing. Dick Grace might be my favorite DC character? Who at DC hates him and why? The answer is Dan DiDio hated him.
0: The why is a good question, though.
1: The why is he, has, he had said that his feeling was the heroes having adult sidekicks aged them. So it's one thing having a teenage Robin. It's another thing having a Robin who's now 25. And hard, it's hard to justify Batman still being in his 30s. So he didn't like the fact that the original uh, sidekicks were all adults. And he just tried to get rid of them.
0: That doesn't hold water, though.
1: Well, I don't agree because with him. I'm just saying that was what he, know- was, he had said. When
0: do you think Batman started to be Batman? And how old? I think you in year one he was 27. Okay, and so you start off, you get you get but, Robin you know, it, was like fifteen.
1: Robin was eight originally.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a problem. <laughs> Just because I, I, mean, I, ha- I have a seven year old and an eleven year old. That's a problem. And I know that you know times have changed and whatever, but
1: you know. At that time in the thirties, those kids were working in garment factories. Uh, here's what I know about kids: <laughs> they do
0: pretty well, and then they get tired, and then they're fucking useless. And it happens quickly, and you can't... You I'm can't, just Batman saying, their bosses, their bosses Batman, on the line wouldn't let them get tired. Batman can't
1: carry that many snacks.
0: <laughs> so, anyway... Maybe the, that's what those pouches are for. Oh, my God, it's all opening up now.
1: <laughs> he's got cookies in the pouches. So, yeah. that was the thing, was he thought that, you know, it, it was hard to justify a 35-year-old Batman who has a 25-year-old psychic who was at 1.8 years old. Like, it just... Putting aside the fact, none of it makes sense. None of it matters. I was gonna say, if you're gonna start with the, it's hard to justify <laughs> that whole house of cards is gonna fall apart. So for years, Didier tried to kill Dick Grayson off, and they even killed him off. I think it was in Infinite Crisis, but he came right back.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, and then they then they tried to make him into.
1: It just seems like rich. such a bizarre thing for a guy like Didier, who's very very smart and good at his job. And very ingrained in the comic culture, especially DC, to really misunderstand the fact that Dick Grayson is one of the most popular characters in the DC universe.
0: Here's what I think. I think he's like you.
1: I think <laughs> that he really liked
0: uh, – uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't like Jason Todd or he, I don't know, whatever. He likes one of the other ones and so he thinks that one of them is stupid. And you couldn't do anything to convince him about it, and then he just justified it for whatever it was that he had to, because it really is just that character stupid. He feels, for some reason, the way about uh, Dick Grayson that you do about Kyle Rayner or Lobo, sure. And he can't say he's stupid, which is what you would say. So that's what happened. Uh huh. That's my guess.
1: Well, we'll never know. That's that was the Ryan W says two Ws. Which superhero or supervillain has the warmest cape? Doom. Doom. I was thinking of Doom's winter cape from the recent book. The fur. Yeah.
0: And he can like uh, magic it up to be whatever it needs to be. Yeah. Because here's the fact that he's covered in armor,
1: and you think you'd want a light cape if you're covered in armor because you're already hot.
0: Yeah, but, but like like that that once that armor gets cold, you're in a lot of trouble.
1: So true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. And he's in Central Europe, so or Eastern Europe wherever Latveria is and so it's probably cold there
0: I bet Batman's though has amazing technical fabric that if they had it for like skiing or mountaineering would be really like successful mm-hmm. very breathable but but wind and waterproof you know maybe maybe mixed with some merino fibers and other advanced technical fibers
1: oh he's got heating things that run through the cape I'm sure sure yeah Yeah. yeah. what are those two guys Patreon though no. contact at fanboy.com so you can write in we do try to get to the emails, we swear. We should, did. We should start doing it with the top of the show. No. No. You, you can write be- in for, for this show. Yeah. You can write in for Media Explode. Anything we do, you can write in at fanboy.com. Let's talk about shows that are out now that you can listen to right at this moment. Right behind this show in the feed is our special edition show on Invincible. Josh joined the Animation Brain Trust, minus Ryan Haupt, who couldn't make it, to talk about the first season of Invincible on Amazon Prime.
0: Doc the- was out
1: adaptation of the uh, Kirkman Image Comics classic book and we really had fun doing that it was a lot of fun to discuss and then behind that show a little bit back is our most recent media MediaSplode episode in which uh, Josh and Ron and I talked about um, the Academy Award Best Picture nominees, we talked about what we were watching on streaming we also talked about oh, fan service, we debated fan service when when is it good, when is it bad when is it ugly and we did an email did we do an email? We did do an email. Yeah, we talked about uh, an email asking us about vinyl, the HBO series that we loved. Mm. It was a good show. Those are fun all behind on the feed. Fun.
0: There will soon be another animation brain trust special edition on Justice Society World War II, of which Connor showed me the trailer of, and I thought, well, that looks interesting. You know, I don't typically watch all those, so that's coming your way soon. There will be a talk upload this month. I'm honestly just trying to figure out who I want to talk to. Mm-hmm. Is what's going on right now. There is also a book coming up the month after that. We're giving you lots of time because it's a big old book. It's Injustice Gods Among Us Year One, the complete collection. So that is four hundred plus pages.
1: Yeah. So this month the talk explode. The month after is right. the books So
0: so June for that it gives, gives you us time. time if you want yeah. to read it, and gives uh, us time to read it. Actually, I already read it, so I'm probably going to read it again. <laughs> so that so I'm not like I don't remember because I did this six months ago. Right. And that's that. You can head over to ifanboy.com and you can find all of our shows and a vast history of comic book writing from many of the talented writers who have uh, worked for us over the years and and, and done many work for us. Many just did it for a while uh, because we couldn't always pay anybody. We did for a little bit. Then you can go to... Facebook.com slash ifanboy at ifanboy on Twitter at ifanboycomics on Instagram to see the kinds of things that we would post there, which is mostly what the pick of the week is and when the shows go up. But you can see what the pick is before the show comes out, so you can be all ready with it should you choose to do that. You can follow us individually uh, at CS Gilpatrick and at J.A. Flanagan on Instagram, which is pretty much the only place we are on social media at this point. because mm-hmm. It has wrecked us. You can subscribe to our YouTube page at youtube.com slash Um we upload, is it three shows a week plus the Powell
1: show? Yeah, so it's three video shows, and then this this show. I'll go up yeah. on our YouTube page.
0: So I, I get stuck here, because what happens is when I do the script, that third show isn't up yet, so I always miss it. Mm-hmm. The mini on Godland, Celestial Edition Volume 1, that means that I did that. Yes, you did. From Joe Casey and Tom Scioli, who is, is a polymath at this point. Like mm-hmm. He's done a lot of cool stuff. Final Crisis... So that was, was a full show we did on the Final Crisis series? Yeah,
1: just like we did a full show on Sacred Invasion. Crazy. Yeah.
0: And then we did a show on the new Top Cow
1: mm-hmm.
0: where we had a bunch of Top Cow books and we thought, you know, we had this one feeling about Top Cow, but there's all this cool stuff that's going on now with good people. This was years and years ago. And uh, we, we knew the guy in charge of Top Cow and he was a very good uh, um, salesman. Very good salesman and ambassador for the product. And they yes. were really, they had a lot of good talent and were doing interesting stuff. I don't read a lot now. I didn't read a lot right after that. I also don't
1: even know <laughs> what they publish right now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I see them. Like, It's usually it's in the image solicits that I see this in number one, so I go to look at it, and then I see, like, nah, I don't want to read that. <laughs> That's kind of what happens there.
1: I think the last Top Cow book I read was that one about that small town that had a mystery. I don't remember. Well, who's the dude? I had mother Brian. Kay Vaughn. No, 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 no. The... Q Miller. Think...
0: No, the guy, the guy. I did an interview with him. He did Brian, all the great comics. Michael comic, Bendis. But... I hate you. I hate you right now because I can't remember those things. Postal, I think, was his. Postal. Uh, no,
1: um, was that it? I don't remember. It was a while ago. Anyway, he he did. Oh my god, this is the worst thing. We're like two, we're like two drunk children at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so bad, and and like you, I, I gotta say, like all of this useless shit that we know. You jinxed us. You said in the beginning, we know all this useless shit, and now it's like, what's that guy's name with that book we read? I don't no, know.
0: No, the point is, like, that's there.
1: <laughs> Somewhere in
0: there. I can get to Forlom, Zuckus, <laughs> Dengar, IG-88, Boba Fett. I can get to all of that, mm-hmm. but I can't get to Brian Lee, Edward? Brian Edward? Brian Lee O'Malley.
1: Oh. Brian <laughs> Edward Hill.
0: Brian Edward Hill. Yeah. It's because it's he hasn't been doing books lately, by the way. Well, he's doing TV. Uh, he, yeah, he was working on TV, which you can blame him. Oh, Uh-oh, there's that comic TV. book self hating thing again. <laughs> well, yeah, you can make more Did money. Catch making that. TV. It, is, it is such an integral part of comic books. It's, it's crazy.
1: Oh, where are we in the script? Oh, if you like the show, write us a review or leave a star rating. Perhaps not for this episode, but just for the thing. And will count everything you hear, not perhaps the specific episode. Can you fix this? <laughs> I'll try. You have power to fix this. <laughs> I will try my best. I'm not going to lie, I had to do a lot of
0: work last week. <laughs>
1: sometimes it happens star rating on apple podcast or wherever you listen to your podcast there's a whole pod link for the show now you can find all the places you can find the show i don't know if that makes sense better yet tell your friends your mom your kid litter carrier your nurse giving you the injection your you litter look, carrier your litter carrier like, like a like
0: one of those like chairs <laughs> that are on sticks that yeah. get carried by one person in the front and the one in the back the litter mm-hmm. or kitty litter
1: or oh, someone boy. who walks Maybe. behind you with a bag and they catch all your litter when they, they hold it for you.
0: <laughs> or you're a litter collector
1: and that guy holds it.
0: Like, Ooh. <laughs> Look at that there's one. A Milky, there's a Milky Way wrapper over there, and I believe there's still some chocolate on it. Ooh. There's still
1: caramel for sure on that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, anyway, help us spread the iPhone with love. Anybody you, you encounter now that you encounter more people because you're out, you've got your vaccine, you're being responsible, and now you're finally able to see some people. That's what I'm saying. You can do that? Yeah, I saw people last weekend. We were all fully vaccinated. It was nice. Wow. Help us! Um, we did that part already. Wow, we haven't had one of these in a while. To be fair, yeah. Is <laughs> this the worst show we've ever done? No, no, God, no. <laughs> There's been way worse than this. I don't think I think the worst shows we ever did were the one where there was a
0: smoldering resentment. Yeah. <laughs> <So Yeah. I'm... laughs> just at the surface. <laughs> Like we were, this doesn't happen forever, but one of us would be mad about something, but we'd have to go on with the show. But it was there.
1: Yeah, well, that was that was. like 08, 09. When we I mean, were, chil- when eight, we were children. Yeah. When you'd get mad about stuff that there's no need getting mad about. Yeah, comic stuff. <laughs> Why is Ron being a dick about DC Comics? Each People used to think you and I hated each other on the show. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm Connor. I'm Josh. See you next week. Bye.